0: Hey everyone, Joe here. In this episode, I had the honor and privilege of welcoming Melina Palmer to The Lounge. Melina is a behavioral economist and the founder and CEO of The Brainy Business, which provides behavioral economics consulting to businesses of all sizes from around the world. She is also a fellow podcaster and her podcast, The Brainy Business, Understanding the Psychology of Why People Buy, has downloads in over 160 countries and she also runs the behavioral economics and business column for Inc. Magazine. During our discussion, we talked about how the brain interprets things and operates the biases that drive us, and Melina provided tips on how to escape the blas and become more productive. Enjoy. Life. Learning. Learning. Leadership. The Lama Lounge. Yo, welcome back to the Lama Lounge a dialogue on all things life, learning, and leadership. This is Joe Bogdan, and we are extremely excited to have this guest in the lounge with me today, Melina Palmer. How are you, Melina?
1: I'm fantastic. Thanks so much.
0: Man, we're really grateful that you're here. And for our listeners, Melina is the founder and CEO of The Brainy Business, which provides behavioral economics consulting to businesses of all sizes from around the world. She hosts The Brainy Business, Understanding the Psychology of Why People Buy podcast, which has downloads in over 160 countries and is used as a resource for teaching applied behavioral economics. Furthermore, she also runs the Behavioral Economics and Business column for Inc. Magazine, which has so much goodness to share and I highly Recommend checking it out. Welcome to the lounge, Melina. We are so grateful you're joining us today. And, you know, the first thing we wanted to jump into was where are you and what are things like? For you right now, it's like 2020. And this is a strange, strange year for a lot of us.
1: (laughs) It is a a different year than Mm -hmm. I think any of us were expecting going in. So I'm in Washington state. Mm -hmm. And so we had the first cases of coronavirus in the, in the U S. And so being at really, I think the front end of a lot of that pandemic stuff. uh, We also just recently were dealing with a lot of fires. over here on the west coast and so uh, that's been interesting and you know not able to go outside because of the unhealthy air quality so we're very thankful for the air conditioning that we put into our house last year so that was a good (laughs) (laughs) prep choice I guess Uh, and as far as my you know for adjusting to things I do a lot of public speaking and I built my Company around that, either speaking at conferences or doing consulting in person, and so watching those all just sort of evaporate mm-hmm. out into space was an uh, interesting experience. And I know knowing that everyone else was going through it, of course, as well in my space, and so, but taking that as the opportunity to say, kind of what what can I do to rise up and do do something more do something different do something better how can there be an opportunity in this is just sort of i guess my nature whether that's for the brain science stuff or otherwise mm-hmm. so um yeah it's been a very different year but made the the best of it um for my family and business
0: yeah that's that's amazing and you know it didn't even occur to me because i'm from washington state not too far from um where you're at and you know, we didn't have air conditioning when I was growing up. Now I think about it, right? So uh, <laughs> that was a great, a very smart investment when it comes to, this, especially with the fires. I I was in um, Northern California. Um, right now, I'm in quarantine in Scott before I head downrange, but uh, which is in Illinois. But I was in Northern California when the fires started breaking out there at the same time as Washington State, and and um, thank goodness we had air conditioning because that was it was brutal outside the air quality. Ooh.
1: I know it. It was the first where you know we were all kind of holed up in Mm -hmm. in here and not that big of a deal but then had to open the door for something and you could see how smoky it was outside Mm -hmm. but you know had the doors closed and everything and that first time you open the door and you go whoa it's it looks like fog and it smells like a campfire Mm -hmm. like you are standing in a fire you know out camping which is um surprising (laughs) right yeah
0: yeah, and then I remember ashes falling from the sky like it was raining. I was like, oh, this is great. <laughs> this yeah. Is... <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's been a wild one. And we'll see what the last couple of months <laughs> give us in 2020 to to help build our resiliency moving into the next year for sure. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah. So, hey, Melina, whenever we have a guest in lounge, we ask that um, they share their story as we found that we can often glean a lot of wisdom from the experiences of others. So, uh, we we're hoping that you wouldn't mind sharing. How did Melina Palmer become the woman she is today?
1: Da, da, da. Well, <laughs> uh, potentially, I, I guess that ended up being a little bit of a inadvertent hint. But I grew up and was absolutely confident, 100%, no question for the first you know, 17 years of my life that I was going to be a singer. That was all that I really cared about. And Mm. uh, I was a classically trained opera singer and was planning to study musical theater in college. Mm. I was filling out all my, you know, applications and, you know, the Juilliards and whatnot of the world to to go out and do that. And uh, just at one point where I was, uh, so I was doing Running Start, Mm -hmm. at school and so i was doing college classes and was only at my high school for choir that was the only reason that i was there and just then kind of watching the behavior of people the Mm -hmm. high schoolers in that space and realizing you know everybody i knew that got a degree in music you had to get a doctorate to Mm -hmm. do anything and you ended up teaching high school choir and knowing there were a lot of other people I teach now I it's nothing you know against teachers I my choir teacher was my favorite of all uh time but knowing that that wasn't what I wanted to do with my own life and kind of making that choice of like I can still sing Mm -hmm. even if I do something else and so I I ended up like floundering around, I guess, for a little bit while I was in Running Start. So I thought I was going to be pre-med. I was thinking pre-law. I looked into film school and eventually somehow kind of ended up in the marketing space. I had some of that creativity that I've always loved and different sort of thinking and ended up getting my undergrad in business administration with a focus in marketing. And when I was in the like very last class, just right towards the end. I remember there was this little snip, like a paragraph in one book, in one class. It was just the tiniest thing about psychology and buying behavior Mm -hmm. and why people do things and the choices that they make. And I thought it was just the most amazing thing I had ever read in my whole life. And at that moment, I had said, you know, eventually when I go back for a master's, I know I don't want an MBA, I want to do this. And I spent the better part of 10 years calling schools around the country and asking, um, you know, what, what their programs were like and how to get in. And they all said they didn't have one. It didn't exist. It's not a thing. And so, I uh, got my, you know, went into work, the working world and was running a marketing department for a financial institution and was in this innovation program. And we were out, um, Attending it, at, I was at the World Council of Credit Union Conference, and they brought in some people to talk to our group, and they happened to be from the Center for Advanced Hindsight, which is the behavioral economics wing of Duke University, which is headed by Dan Ariely, who's a big uh, behavioral economist, and I found what I had been looking for and ended up getting my master's in behavioral economics and uh, starting my podcast and my business and the rest is history.
0: Wow, well, I mean, that was you went you bounced around from some very diverse <laughs> degrees. <plans. laughs> yeah, that's my
1: that's my uh, jam. I guess yeah. i I tend to get that sort of um, squirrel uh, mm. mentality, I guess. But I I find so many fields to be interesting. I guess, and I think that that helps a lot with the type of work I do and in the consulting space and knowing that with the way that the brain makes associations, it's not linear in the way that we would like it to be. It is mm-hmm. it is linear in some ways, but not mm-hmm. in the way that we think that it should be. And so when I was working in my corporate job, uh, it was very, you know, strategically minded. I was running the department, like I said. And so I knew I needed some decompressing time and that I was Mm going to be reading and whatnot. And so I ended up editing books for a while as a freelance business that I did in addition to my corporate job. And I was editing books about like women's style guru tips and how to best use dressing rooms effectively to a Myers-Briggs expert, all sorts of different things Mm -hmm. that seem like they have nothing in common. But when I would read them and think that's such an interesting concept, I think that applies over in what we're doing for marketing our checking accounts right yeah. <laughs> so uh those very diverse things that others might not see the connections in mm-hmm. maybe it's an improv thing too but you know you just seeing how they can come together is one of my favorite things
0: yeah and i, I don't know this is just me like looking into it you going from you know wanting to be a singer to something that would seem very analytical on the other side but the art side of you probably able to make some connections that one, a person that leans too much on one side or the other might not be able to see. So I think that's really cool.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, when you look at how I built my space within, so the field of behavioral economics, Mm -hmm. and I know we still need to actually define and say what it is, but (laughs) Mm -hmm. the field itself, as you can expect, uh, or might maybe appreciate is pretty academic uh, at the moment. It's a lot of um, very, you know, research at universities and things like that is what it was for a very long time. And so for me though, building my version, which is, you know, the podcast, which this is, you know, me joking around and whatever on the show. And when I do my presentations, I love being up on the stage and making people laugh and Mm -hmm. helping them to learn something while they're having fun. Mm -hmm. And so it is still about I'm performing in the way that I do my job, but my type of like performance is pretty much just me all the time anyway. <laughs> <laughs>
0: no, I mean, that's the best way to do it. You know, being your authentic self and whatever yeah. you feel like doing. I think that's awesome. But I mean, I, I and I think that's a perfect segue into what is behavioral economics because we kind of talked about it and I could honestly say I've never even heard of that until I met you. And I think yeah. that's really Yay. cool. Because I always <laughs> want to learn something new and I'm pretty sure a lot of the listeners are probably like, what is that as well? So love to hear about it.
1: Yes, it is a field with a branding problem as well that uh, many of us within have said, you know, behavioral economics is a terrible term. It is accurate, but it's not sexy as you Mm -hmm. would like it to be perhaps. But and when I because my background's in marketing, um, I remember when I heard that that was the name I had been calling what I was looking for, like buyer psychology Mm. things like that and um i thought behavioral economics like that Mm. sounds awful i don't want that that can't be what i'm supposed to be studying (laughs) uh but essentially it is uh the intersection between economics and psychology and neuroscience Uh, but essentially it is there's a problem with economics in that those traditional economic models assume logical people making rational choices in everything that they're doing all day long. Mm -hmm. And as we all know, being human people, Mm -hmm. that's not the world that we live in people don't right. make logical choices they do they will say that they want to exercise and lose weight and then mm. they make different choices or mm. they see do you do the focus group and somebody says you know if we put this one with the baking soda in our toothpaste would you buy it and you say yeah that looks amazing and then you don't you know mm. so right. all those sorts of things and so what you had the problem being is that those traditional models were inaccurately predicting behavior. So you don't know what's really going to happen versus what should happen. And so over time, uh, you had economists and psychologists really entering into one another's fields or doing research projects together for, you know, 50 or 60 years now, and ended up finding these trends, these concepts and themes within the brain that we can use to help better predict behavior. Because even though people are often what we would call illogical or irrational. Mm -hmm. They are very predictable and we know uh, what people will do. So what I do in my business is helping people to understand those concepts of their brain, both for ourselves Mm -hmm. to know that you know what you're going to do or why you might be inclined to do something in case you want to change that behavior or reinforce it, as well as When you are having better conversations with your team or when you are having to, I know we're potentially going to talk about communicating changes today. Mm -hmm. Uh, When you're doing pricing strategy, marketing messaging, all of the above, just Mm -hmm. making sure that you're communicating in the way that makes it easiest for people to choose if they want to work with you or not.
0: So like to simplify it for me, like if I see it when I go into the mall, when we're allowed to go in malls, I don't know, I guess some people might be allowed to go in malls. I don't know. I've been in quarantine for a little bit. But, <laughs> but when you're going in a mall, right? And you see like these signs that say two for whatever, or whatever. Is that some of the stuff that's driven from your, your work? Uh, y-
1: yes, absolutely. And so the, one of the the concepts there, that's called anchoring and adjustment. And mm-hmm. so people are have been shown across the board, you will buy more when something is labeled as 10 for $10 than if it's li- labeled as $1 each. Mm-hmm. And it can be pretty extreme to where, you know, instead of buying two or three, you buy seven. Mm-hmm. Uh, similarly, the another piece within that concept is when you put a limit on something and, in the logical space, we would say, you know, putting a limit means that then, you know, people just know that they can't buy over a certain amount or, or whatnot. Mm-hmm. Uh, and when in these the times of the pandemic, when there right. were all the limits rolling out, right? So it was hand sanitizer and toilet paper and yeah. meat was right. a big one. And so watching that and knowing like no question, you are pushing it so that you those things will sell out and become mm-hmm. impossible to buy. Because when you put a limit if someone was only going to buy one package of meat, but they see that it's limited at three packages, mm-hmm. you think, well, I was going to buy meat next week, but I better just load up now. Right. right and you get right. as many as you can. Yeah. Guilty and, right here. <laughs> <laughs> right. Everybody does that. Right. It's, it's just a natural tendency of our brain. You get that scarcity that comes in the the mm-hmm. limit. And so, um, yes, that is definitely a, a thing that, that makes an impact, but you can use numbers very effectively mm-hmm. to encourage behavior one of my favorite studies uh, called the snickers study mm-hmm. they had two different end cap displays one says snickers buy them for your freezer the other says snickers by 18 for your freezer uh-huh. which is a lot of snickers more yeah. than you know anybody was probably buying pre-pandemic at least right and uh it ended up you know if you think about if you're creating that messaging, you'd think like 18 is really arbitrary. I don't want to have mm-hmm. to justify this number and them is unlimited and people could get a hundred if they want. Okay. Uh, but the difference was a 38% increase in sales when it had the number 18, instead of the word them and uh-huh. everything else was the same,
0: huh? Why, why is that? Why does our <laughs> brain see a number and it says, okay, now I need to get that many.
1: <laughs> so the way that it works would be in this case. Uh, so it's not the specific number of 18, you right. know, it's the use of a number. So uh-huh. there are a couple things at play here. The first being, so... To take a quick step back, Mm -hmm. the subconscious brain, so we know we have a conscious and a subconscious, you've heard it before, Mm -hmm. but studies show that your subconscious is actually making 99% of all the decisions and evaluating what you're doing every single day. Mm -hmm. And so it's really running the show and it does that based on rules of thumb. Heuristics that it's using to make choices. Mm -hmm. So looking and saying, I have a rule for that. I know how to do this. I know how I'm going to do this. And then every so often it will flag your conscious brain and say, Hey, you should do this now. Mm -hmm. So our subconscious is very fast, automatic processing. Our subconscious, sorry, subconscious fast. Conscious is slow and Mm -hmm. more manual arduous process. And the two don't really speak well to one another. If you think about when you learned to drive a car, Mm -hmm. and so it was a very slow, tedious, stressful process, and Mm -hmm. you're thinking very much about where your hands are and your eyes and which Mm -hmm. pedal you're using, and it's stressful.
0: Right.
1: The last time you drove your car it was probably not like that it's pretty easy you Mm -hmm. just can go with the flow no big deal we've all had that experience where you end up at home Mm -hmm. you know after a long day and go how did i even get here i don't even remember the drive right oh yeah because you're so stressed (laughs) and so much going on your brain is still making all those same decisions at every moment while you're driving the car and the process of starting it and where things are Uh, but it's in your subconscious so it doesn't have to alert your conscious brain to really do mm-hmm. anything. You're able to let the subconscious do all the stuff mm-hmm. and your conscious can focus on something else until maybe you're driving over a mountain overpass and the pouring rain between a semi-truck and a guardrail.
0: Right.
1: And you can kind of feel everything like slow down right. and really focus in. And now you feel every little tiny move of the steering wheel and all of that again, <laughs> because your conscious has now stepped up and is handling something where the subconscious has said, okay, this is the most important thing we need to be focusing on right now. Mm -hmm. And so that's how your brain is reacting all the time. But millions of choices and things that are happening, little micro decision points are happening all day long that we don't really realize and don't flag our conscious awareness. So your subconscious, if you were to think about it like a computer, it it can do 11 million bits of information per second Mm -hmm. that it's filtering through all sorts of information uh, imagery sounds things like Mm -hmm. that your conscious brain can do about 40 Mm -hmm. compared to 11 million right so yeah yikes that's not great (laughs) yeah (laughs) (laughs) and and so this is why we get overwhelmed and i know we're going to talk about that in a minute as well so That now being explained, coming yeah. back to the Snickers example. Yeah. So when you're going down the aisle, let's say, and you happen to have that sign of Snickers, buy them for your freezer. For one, if it even goes past your subconscious to where it would stop and have any sort of interest, um, it's not very much. And maybe you would say, because it's a pretty general type of an ad, right? You see that right. all the time. Yeah. And so maybe you get to, you know, okay, no big deal and you go on your way. If you were in the other situation, you see 18, your subconscious might flag your conscious brain and say, hold on, like, have we been buying Snickers wrong all these years? Is everyone (laughs) else getting 18 and we're not? (laughs) And then also it gives you this opportunity where you can say, you know, 18, I'm so much better than everybody else. I don't need 18. I'll just get six. Yeah, Gay for me. I'll uh, only buy six instead. Mm. So that adjustment off of an anchor that was set makes a difference. The, the other really subtle thing that happens in here is there, the underlying question is slightly different in a way that makes a really profound difference. So when it's them, it's a fancy word for zero by them. Mm -hmm. And you're saying, do you want to buy any is really the question Mm -hmm. when you have the number 18, there's the slight shift. And now the question is, how many do you Mm -hmm. want to buy? So Mm -hmm. it kind of assumes the sale and changes the way that that's interpreted by the brain.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And and, I mean, that makes sense. And also your point on like the, um, the subconscious versus the conscious brain we're only able to process so much at a time. I mean, that's gotta be a lot about energy management for us, right? To be able to get through a day because we'd be drained if we had to think about every single thing.
1: Yes, we would not survive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. the basics I mean,
0: of it. I mean, it's a, pure, a good example. He said when you're overwhelmed over four things that happened to you at once, you know, I mean, you're like, you're done already.
1: <laughs> right. Well, that's even, so I gave that example of, you know, when you're driving in the overpass and whatnot. Mm-hmm. But yep. this is also the same for anybody who's ever been looking for an address and you feel the need to turn down the volume on the radio or turn it off yeah. because you can't take, you're trying to focus on something and your brain is that sad, I guess, in some ways. (laughs) Your conscious (laughs) can't take that much input at one time. And so um, also, you know, a different study that I really love was looking at, um, people were asked to remember a number and then they go through a series of tasks. Mm -hmm. Um, And so half the people were remembering a two-digit number, half a seven-digit number. Uh, of which like two digit number. Okay. I'm remembering 12. mm -hmm. Got it. I could remember that all day. That's easy. Right? Uh, so one of the tasks along the way was to choose a snack. (laughs) That, you know, this is the thing they were studying. They want to see what happens. So the people who were remembering the two digit number were Mm. much more likely to choose fruit salad, the healthy choice. Those remembering the seven digit number were much more likely to choose chocolate cake. Huh. as their snack and like we said with 12 it doesn't take up that cognitive processing it's right. just okay i'll remember that i can do all sorts of things when you're trying to go one two three four five six seven one two three four five six seven that looks delicious one two three four five <laughs> six seven right <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you bog down your conscious just a little bit and then your subconscious is able to jump and it's driven by rewards dopamine huh. oxytocin endorphins huh. It's looking for those and it knows how to find them all the time. And so if you are cognitively stressed, uh, people, if you're struggling financially, if you have a lot of change and things going on, like we've been dealing with in this pandemic and all of your habits are really upended, it can make it. So we feel a lot more tired. We're having a harder time getting through the day, you maybe make worse decisions or simple mistakes mm-hmm. that you weren't making otherwise. And it's all very easily explained when we understand how the brain works.
0: Yeah, that's interesting. I just saw a meme the other day and it said, you know, you're old when you got to turn down the volume to see better when you're looking for a house. Right. <laughs> <laughs>
1: But it's not. Right, it's right. all of our brains.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, That's awesome. That, thank you so much for the explanation. That makes a lot more sense. Actually, I'm looking back and reflecting on some of the things that's been happening to me lately. <laughs> for, right. <you> know. Yeah. <laughs> well,
1: well, the things that we have habits around, it's mm-hmm. not just like, you know, I had a habit of seeing people in person for meetings. Like, okay, mm-hmm. fine. Right. And now I have to get used to using Zoom, whatever. Mm-hmm. But it's even these things of like, where your pencils are on the desk. And if you use a mug and where you go to get coffee and the route that you take to the bathroom, like all these silly little things that we don't realize are habitually done to where the subconscious knows where to go and doesn't have to bother your conscious brain. Uh, But I, last year I was uh, doing a training and consulting for a company and I was in London and having that experience of so many all the sidewalks and that the street that they're painted and they say look right you know like yeah Yeah. look yeah look (laughs) (laughs) because i can't even process (laughs) what is the right way because (laughs) it's so ingrained in me right but so too many americans looked (laughs) the wrong way and walked out into the street and got it right because Mm -hmm. art were conditioned for this Mm -hmm. and that's that tiny change adds so much mental stress mm-hmm. to where you would feel more tired because you're having to say, don't forget, don't forget, don't forget, don't forget. Right. And you still do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But,
0: yeah. Yeah. It was funny. I was, uh, I, I went out on vacation to Ireland and, um, rented a car, didn't think twice about it. Just hit the rental button, right? Get there. Uh-oh. And then it's, 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 and I, I already mentally, realized, because this isn't the first time I had to drive on the other side of the road. That part mm-hmm. I, I was like already kind of mentally preparing for, but what I wasn't prepared for was they're going to give me a manual. So now I'm like, okay, hasn't, I haven't done that in a while. I haven't done that probably in like probably 12 years, you know, previous. Well, and
1: was, now having to use your left hand. Right. You're shifting with Yikes. your left
0: hand. And I was like. All right. And I sat in the parking lot for a good 20 minutes just making sure I remembered I'll do this. It was interesting. It was funny.
1: I, I would have very much been like so weak. I, there's no way my left arm has enough strength to drive a manual for that long, which is a little depressing, but right. true. Do the pedals change too? So is no. the, the gas so, is still on the right?
0: Yep. So everything's right. in the same, except you're just using different hands. The one thing that really throws you off, and um, I remember when I was in a station in Japan, the thing that Jack. You up and you knew someone was new, was your blinkers and your uh, and your windshield wipers were switched though on on the column. Mm. So you knew when someone it was a sunny day and someone hit their windshield wipers. that uh, Yeah, they're mm. they're probably new here because they're trying to hit their signal. <laughs> 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 yeah, but everything else is in the same. The pedals are in the same spot and the gear the gears are laid out the same. It's just using your left hand now versus mm. the, yeah. So interesting. Yeah, yeah. So you should try it sometime. <laughs> It'll be fun. <laughs> no,
1: no, I don't need that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you not need that. That's a, <laughs> nope
1: nope i i know what I, what i want to handle and that's not that's not on the list i've got a husband that does those things so that's when uh even driving in seattle which you can appreciate i uh-huh. think very mm-hmm. a lot of hills mm-hmm. and weird stop points and you have to mm-hmm. kind of like uh yeah. be slamming on the yeah. gas before you take your yeah. foot fully off the yeah. brake yeah. i really hate driving in downtown seattle and so yeah. i Try not
0: to. Yeah, and this thing, this wet <laughs> substance comes from the sky pretty often there too. That makes it a little bit slick.
1: <laughs> yes, yes, absolutely. It's huh. a it's a rough life out here. Not yeah. really. But. <laughs> First world problems. First world. Yeah, problems. for right. sure.
0: <laughs> but that's awesome. So we talked a little bit, like we alluded to that about change management. So. Um, how does like how can you like maybe even leaders organizational leaders or even individuals themselves how can they um use some of the principles that come up with behavioral economics to understand themselves and maybe be more effective in managing change
1: yeah so one of the big things to know is that we are all biased in everything we do all the time our brains run on bias and and rules of thumb of knowing predictability of what's going to work. And so the first thing to note is there isn't a time or ever going to achieve a fully unbiased state. That's Mm -hmm. not possible. And so understanding that bias is how we exist is important to then understand kind of how some of it works. So you can choose which one you're going to focus on uh, versus just blanket saying that I'm not, I'm not going to be biased anymore because that is not possible. So one of the big things to know is that we do have an inherent in-group Bias, And so people who look like us, talk like us, or are similar to us, we are going to afford a lot of credit that we don't give to those who are not like us. And this could be everything from gender, skin tone, again, the ethnic background of uh, the way that, you know, if someone has an accent or not all the way to uh, departments is where you see this a lot in a business. So the issue being and very often coming from a marketing space is it's kind of marketing against the world and it's every department against the world in so many ways to where you would say, well, that's what sales does or business development or finance or, you know, take your pick and everybody else says that's what marketing does. Mm -hmm. Right. When you're siloed against another team, you will always have these confirmation biases where you're looking and seeing the bad as in an us versus them sort of a mentality. And to use that 11 million to 40 calculation in a different way, to understand that every single piece of information that your subconscious lets through to your conscious brain that would mean that there were 275,000 other things that it determined were not worthy to make it through. So when you think about it was using some rule to choose what made it into your filter. You know, if you are having a disagreement with somebody, can you say is it very possible that we even if we're saying different things that we could both be correct? We might be seeing different sides of the same experience. Mm -hmm. You know, if we both look out a window and we say, what do you see out there? And one person says they see a lot of trees. And I say, what? No, there are cars. And someone else says, no, there, there's water. What are you guys talking about? Like, Mm -hmm. they're all there. We just focused on different things or I see a family or whatever that is. Mm -hmm. So knowing that you don't have to be the only one that's right Mm -hmm. to still be correct. right? Right. And so there is an opportunity to find um, a common ground or a shared ground with pretty much everybody if you're open to that experience. And then when you can open up your circle of empathy to who you consider to be part of your in crowd, it can really make a difference in empathizing with people. And one of the concepts at play here is called fundamental attribution error. That's Mm. a fun one. (laughs) But essentially is the way we think about Ourselves and our own motivations. We look at differently for other people and to get back to driving because you know That's where all these examples tend to go. I guess (laughs) Mm -hmm. if someone cuts you off in traffic Mm -hmm. Immediately they are a jerk everything about them their entire personality You could write that person's story about how they are the worst most entitled person in the world, right? We've all done this (laughs) a million times Mm -hmm. They're bad Mm-hmm. The end. Mm-hmm. What about if you cut someone off in traffic?
0: Mm-hmm. I You've done rush. it.
1: <laughs> I, I was going to be late for my meeting. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. almost missed my exit. I was um, listening to this amazing podcast and I got a little bit distracted, uh, uh, you know, whatever that is. Yeah. You have that internal intrinsic story and you mm-hmm. credit yourself with all these benefits yeah. of knowing you were running late. You were thinking about your kid's doctor's appointment, your mom is sick, whatever.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And you don't give that to other people you just are looking at the uh so sort of external piece and you will then say that the bad behavior is a character flaw that mm-hmm. is the trait of that person mm-hmm. and i like to use the example then of being late for a meeting we've all been to the meetings where people come in mm-hmm. late and who are perpetually late but if you have that it's someone's first day on the job and they show up five minutes late for the meeting do you now label them? And if they're from the other department, mm. so they're from the, them, mm-hmm. they were late. Ugh, those sales guys, they're mm. all, they think they're so great and entitled mm. and they, they don't, don't worry about wasting our time. But if it was a marketing person, or if you were running late,
0: right.
1: you might say, well, you know, we had this other thing going on it mm-hmm. was so important, but it's good to know that other people are using that, um, the other version of the story, even if you write it away for yourself, if you're late, everybody else is looking at you as kind of the other Mm -hmm. guy. They don't have that same story. Mm -hmm. So knowing really the flip of those things can Mm -hmm. make a big difference in the way that you can, you know, give other people the benefit of the doubt. Mm -hmm. If they are running late, assume it's a positive thing. And if you can expand that circle of empathy. So instead of saying marketing versus sales, that we're all part of team, company we all work mm-hmm. here we're working toward a common goal then you can give them some of those benefits and you don't mm-hmm. have to get hung up on the uh you know he said she said stuff
0: yeah so, and, and then when you when you're able to i guess create that foundation because we talk about it whenever we're trying to manage any types of change or try to influence change that we have to in many ways, create like a guiding coalition of people from different areas. You know what I mean? Like it, it takes, you can't just do it by yourself. You need to mm-hmm. to get the hitters. So yeah, you, you kind of got to do that at least frame it a little bit differently to understand how other people might see things to, I guess, build that foundation of trust. Is that, what, is that a big part of it?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And um, the, you know, framing of the message is mm-hmm. so important as well. So in my, It's not about the cookie framework, which I use for pricing and for change management. And so I know you wanted to talk about that a little bit. Uh, One of the aspects is the way you present the message and the frame. Mm -hmm. And so framing things Mm -hmm. is, so if you were going to the store again, Mm -hmm. you're going to go buy some ground beef and there's one stack that's labeled as 90% fat free Mm -hmm. and the stack next to it is labeled as 10% fat, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: which one sounds better and would you want to buy?
0: Man. Yeah, I'd probably go with the, the higher number free.
1: Right, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right, yeah, yeah, 90% fat yeah. free yeah, yeah, yeah. sounds way better. Uh-huh. 10% fat, you think, ooh, yikes. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, it's, yeah. Uh, we've been in lockdown for a while. I don't right. know where that extra weight's going. I, right. I can't afford that. <laughs> but 90% fat free is such a great choice, mm-hmm. you know, for me and my family. Right. And it's exactly the same thing, right, mm-hmm. you know, as we know, but mm-hmm. it doesn't feel the same. And so, yeah. how you say something, how you present information mm-hmm. makes a really big difference. just like saying, you know, 78% of people um, are satisfied with our service doesn't sound like a really great number. <laughs>
0: right, right, <laughs> right,
1: Four out of five sounds good.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> and it's yeah, yeah. essentially the same. Yeah, right? yeah,
0: yeah. Number one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, <Really close.
1: laughs> it, it, right. Or even most, right? Yeah, the way yeah. that you say something makes a difference. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, the, it's not about the cookie mm-hmm. thing mm-hmm. and how this applies. Is that I look at change, you're still, whether you're exchanging money or mm-hmm. not, if you're trying to get someone to do something, which mm-hmm. is the process of change management, whether you're having, maybe I like the example of getting someone to move their desk, right? which, you know, especially, you know, pre pandemic when we all had you know, our loss aversion, we were, Mm -hmm. we liked our spaces. It's really difficult to do. Even if there's no monetary exchange, I still need to sell you Mm -hmm. on a concept that I need you to buy in on. Mm -hmm. Right. So we're not exchanging money, but it still is the same thing. Right. And so to give the example, so you and I were walking down the street, we're having a great conversation. And then all of a sudden you can kind of smell this really great scent. It's Mm -hmm. sweet and a little bit of like brown sugar and chocolate and a hint of salt. And you can tell that we smell chocolate chip cookies are baking somewhere Mm -hmm. nearby. Yeah. And we quickly become cartoon characters, right? Our noses are leading us <laughs> down the floating street. floating
0: down the yeah. street. Yep. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: We're still talking. We're still sort of paying attention, but we're trying to find the source of the smell, right? Uh-huh. So then we get in front of the bakery. We see a line. We wander inside, and they give us a free sample and say, oh, today only. We have this special buy three, get one free. And before you know it, we walk out of there, yeah. each eating a cookie and with a bag for later. Yeah. So in a flip, say we're walking down the street, same conversation. Someone comes up, throws a flyer in our faces and says, Oh, we're, we've got cookies and it's, you know, if you buy four of them, you only pay for three, but, and it's just for today. And I, I've got samples, you go, Ugh. like yeah. get out of here, guy. I don't want any of that. Can you tell we are having a great conversation right. now? We're talking about bad sales experiences and one upping each other. And by the time we see the line and can smell the cookies maybe we're looking up their name so we can write a Yelp review about how terrible they are and (laughs) they have awful service and we wouldn't buy them no matter what.
0: Yeah.
1: All the same things happened in both stories, but Mm. in a flipped Mm. order. And when you, you need to start with the scent of the cookies to draw the subconscious in to make you interested in buying because it's looking for that reward. And also if you notice price had nothing to do with either, side right they could have been three dollar cookies in the first story and 50 cents in the other we're pretty much buying the first ones and definitely not buying the others right Mm -hmm. it doesn't matter how much they cost and so price isn't about price just in the same way of communicating change doesn't have to be about this burden of change and so the way you present that information, if you come around and say, Hey, you know, this, this thing's happening and don't shoot the messenger. But, <laughs> but I know you guys aren't going to like this, but mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think you've set them up to yeah. not like whatever yeah. it is. You I, have I, to I,
0: I'm super inspired. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> well,
1: that sounds great. Yeah. <laughs> I can't wait for that thing. Uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> So I, in the change management experience, instead of that cookie scent, I like to talk about popcorn. So freshly popped popcorn is a lovely smell. Mm -hmm. It draws you in at the movies and makes this great experience and you buy soda and whatever. Uh, If you've ever been in an office where someone burns a bag of popcorn, it's terrible. And Mm -hmm. it's all anyone can talk about because you're totally absorbed by, you know, Melina is probably the one that did that because (laughs) she, she cooked salmon and broccoli in the microwave last week. I'm sure it was her. Right. And that's all anyone can talk about. Uh And so often our communication comes off as burnt popcorn and Mm. we don't realize it. So I had a boss once who would send me emails along the lines of, so it's like 10 AM, I get an email that says, We need to talk, be in my office at two. Mm. Yikes.
0: It's like seven in the morning. You're like, what am I?
1: (laughs) I got to think about this. (laughs) Right? So I spend the next four hours (laughs) pulling up every project I'm working on. Fight or flight reflex is up. I am arming myself (laughs) for everything that possibly could have happened. Terrified. I go into this meeting. More often than not, the response was something along the lines of, Hey, just wanted to let you know that I'm going to be out tomorrow and I'm putting your name in my out of office email response Mm -hmm. as the number one contact. Mm -hmm. All right. The, that could have been the email for one. <laughs> <laughs> for sure.
0: Absolutely. You didn't and, have to send me this and like start catastrophizing the whole last four hours. Thank you. Right. Yeah.
1: And I know it was because she was busy and right. was in another meeting. Didn't know if maybe there be other stuff that came up that she wanted to talk to me about right, right. whatever, but that communication was more about her mm-hmm. and her needs instead of the way that I needed to hear something.
0: Right. And even
1: if it said, are you available at two mm-hmm. question mark? that would have been a very different experience. Mm. And if, imagine if she did have some big change or something she wanted to communicate with me mm. in that two o'clock meeting, am I ready to hear it? Or am I ready to fight and hate whatever right. it is because all mm. my alarm bells are going off and yeah. I'm waiting for this terrible experience. Yeah. So if you're putting burnt popcorn out, it can make it so it's going to be, you're setting all your meetings and conversations up to be negative and hard when mm-hmm. they don't have to be. And so understanding instead what people are, what they value and mm-hmm. how you can communicate it to them uh, can be really helpful in making changes go through that might have otherwise seemed like they were going to be difficult.
0: Yeah. And especially in that, you know, in that one where you're talking about, we got to do this. Uh, we just have to get through it. I mean, that that's a lot of that has just to a to lack of owning whatever that is, right? Owning the message. And yeah, th- that's a great point, man. So there's another concept, because I love the cookie concept. There's another one that you talk about, you know, can the temperature of coffee really make a difference in how people perceive you? And we're talking about priming. Can you can you yep. dive, dive into that a little bit?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And actually, uh, the, the scent of the cookies and the smell of the popcorn Mm -hmm. are both priming examples. So Mm. that's a perfect segue. Ah, The study that you're referencing there has to do with, so imagine you're on a campus going in, you're going to participate in a research study Mm -hmm. on your way into the building, you bump into somebody who's holding tons and tons of papers and they all like they drop them when you run into each other. And they say, oh, shoot, can you hold this for just a second? Mm -hmm. And then while I pick all these up, Mm -hmm. so they hand you a drink to hold while they pick up all the papers they dropped, and then you both go on your separate ways. Uh You have no idea that this had anything to do with the research study you're about to participate in, Mm -hmm. but this was the key item. So half of the people were handed an iced coffee to hold and the others were handed a hot coffee to hold for those few seconds in something that had nothing to do with what they were Mm -hmm. going on to do later. Mm -hmm. And so the actual piece of the research was, you know, the, the assignment they had you do was like, if you remember in elementary school where you would read a paragraph, a story about somebody, and then you have to circle what you think their personality traits are, Mm -hmm. something along those lines. Mm -hmm. So, the people who held the iced coffee were much more likely to rank, rate the person as being cold, distant, and difficult compared huh. to those who held the hot coffee in an unrelated experience. Huh. And similarly, when you had people that you wanted to be working on, they were told they were working in teams on a project where there was a briefcase within eyesight. People were much more difficult and didn't cooperate very well compared to rooms where there was a backpack. Mm -hmm. And if you think about, this is where I was saying, you know, the brain is literal, but not in the way that we like. And so the literal of iced equals cold. And then you're remembering things are cold backpacks. I had when I had to do a lot of team projects when I was in school and corporate merger takeovers come with a briefcase, you know, your brain is putting those associations into play and Mm. it's impacting the Mm. next few sort of decisions that you make. And the, the, the basis of the Snickers example Mm -hmm. with the 18 is it's putting that number out there. The anchor is effectively a prime.
0: Mm. Wow. See,
1: this is where it gets a little complex. This is why people hire me to come in and and consult instead of having to be an expert Uh. in this themselves.
0: I mean to me, I'm just thinking about how easily manipulated we all are. <laughs>
1: like, I know. <laughs> yeah, the, yeah. With great power comes a, a great responsibility <laughs> here in the behavioral <laughs> economics world, for sure.
0: Right. Right. Yeah. And those are things I'll be thinking about probably tomorrow. I don't think I'll ever see the world quite the same again after this conversation. But well,
1: that's good. That's <laughs> yeah, good. Yeah, yeah. I think that's what, what we aim for. Yeah, and absolutely. knowing that whether you think about it or not, though, mm-hmm. the way that you're putting information out, the way you present choices on a list, if there's there's a default or not, the language you have on a website, Mm -hmm. what you write in that email, you are encouraging and nudging people to make certain choices Mm -hmm. and you are influencing their behavior, whether you've taken the time to think about it. And so it's pretty much always best to take the time to consider what those ripple effects could be Mm -hmm. to just help have better experiences all the way around.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's great advice. I mean, that, that is just amazing advice for sure. Man, so a couple more things I wanted to dig into with you because they were just awesome. And like I mentioned earlier that, um, that you write for Inc. And I love that magazine, by the way. And um, yeah. one of them that I really liked, and I think it just hit at the right time because, um, you know, we all get into these moments of blah, right? The, the best word to describe it is blah, right? <laughs> and, and, and then with COVID happening, we get into COVID blahs. And you wrote an article called Feeling Unproductive? Question <laughs> mark This brain <laughs> bias could be to blame. And I really thought it was a very insightful article that could help a lot of folks understand why, because I think we all go through it. It might not even be during COVID, before COVID, we go through these moments, right? Um, I was hoping yes. you can kind of explain a little bit about the concept behind that article.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So the main concept that that is talking about is one that's called bike shedding. And mm-hmm. that is something that we end up doing mm-hmm. um when we are getting kind of stuck the root of it being though What we were already talking about with some of the stuff about habits and how our subconscious is making choices And so when you start to feel overwhelmed Your brain the subconscious is able to run more of the show. It's looking for things like instagram to be scrolling through or binge watching netflix or you know going and doing the laundry because you're at home now, you know Those mm-hmm. sorts of things that can be looking for distractions mm-hmm. and those tasks essentially are what we refer to as bike shedding. And the reason it's called that is because of an observation from a man named Parkinson, where his laws of triviality are looking at, uh, there was this experience where there was a team that was assigned to be designing a nuclear reactor facility Mm -hmm. and he observed that the team ended up spending an inordinate amount of time at the beginning working on the process of designing the bike shed for the giant you know, facility, and important. it was an, <laughs> super important, very much so. And so it feel it feels like though in the moment, it's the most important thing that you could be working on. You kind of have that like until I figure this out, we can't do this other thing. We can't even if we can't figure this out. How are we going to do the nuclear facility? Mm. And the consequences are so much bigger on the other project. It's scary. Mm -hmm. And so your brain wants to do the easier thing. Mm -hmm. And so in our own lives and businesses, when we're working every day, there are a lot of things that feel safer. Mm -hmm. And remembering again, because our brain is building our experiences based on what's worked in the past, not what should work in the future, but what has worked for us before Mm -hmm. using those rules of thumb, it Likes predictability. It wants to know what's happening next. And so it's seeking out rewards and things that help it to feel safe. And so when you're looking at making big changes or doing this new thing, it gets scared and it'll throw up distractions Mm. in front of you to keep you stuck. And they often become what I like to call productive procrastination. Mm -hmm. And I wish I could say I came up with that term. I know I heard someone else say it though. I don't Mm. remember where, so I like to throw that out there for whomever first. uh, It's
0: it's all yours now, Melina. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Uh,
1: So this is, so for my own business, uh, I need to do a lot on social media, so it's important for me to have a presence on social media, getting more people to find and listen to the podcast and read my articles and all these things, uh, eventually buy my book, all of that. Mm -hmm. So I could very easily say like, well, before I write this article, I should go investigate what people are doing on Instagram or LinkedIn or youtube or whatever and see what's successful and allow myself to get into some rabbit holes Um, and i can spend eight hours just researching (laughs) which is actually keeping me from doing the work that i should be working on Mm -hmm. and i also see a lot of people that you get hung up in well i can't launch my website or or start on that project until i look through all eighty five thousand templates that Mm -hmm exist and i couldn't switch to a scheduling software until i evaluate and try them all you Mm -hmm. know so then you get stuck in this thing that feels like it's important but it's often not it's just a distraction it's your bike shed
0: Mm. yeah and and, and is that what kind of starts get us like how does that result in us feeling that blah is it just because we're not feeling productive anymore we're like we know it's not what we in our minds we know we're not being productive but we're lying to ourselves
1: yeah and you end up with that ever-growing to-do list of stuff that (laughs) is, you know, where you think, and we also are pretty um, prone to optimism bias and Mm -hmm. planning fallacy is the other piece of this. So even though I only got through one thing on my list today, I'm confident I'm going to do 10 tomorrow. And so, uh, but, that never really works. Yeah. So this is where I give the advice of using anchoring in a different way. And so mm-hmm. when you set up your day with this optimism bias, it feels good for whatever mm-hmm. reason, mm-hmm. when you think about yourself tomorrow to yeah. say, I'm going to get 10 things done. Right. Yeah. You can live in this moment of, man, I'm amazing. Yeah. T- day.
0: yeah I'm right? way more perfect tomorrow than I am today.
1: Yeah. <laughs> right. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And we, we're all doing that all the time. So when you set your goal and say you're going to do 10 things tomorrow, and if you only get through five, you feel like garbage Mm -hmm. and you were a failure, bad day, and oh, now the next day is going to be even more difficult, but I got to get through. Now I have to do 15 things, right? Mm -hmm. But you still feel like you might be able to achieve it. If instead you set your goal and say, these are the two things. Mm -hmm. That I have to do. I have to do these two things tomorrow. And if I don't get anything else done, it will still be a great day. Mm -hmm. If I just get these two things done. And then... You get those done and happen to do three more things. They could be exactly the same five things, but you feel like a superstar. You're amazing because Mm. look at how much more you did than what you planned on getting done. Mm. And then it's a virtuous cycle and you're able to spin on this productivity piece. So the biggest advice that I give to people is to really narrow down your goals, Mm -hmm. uh, life, health, Mm -hmm. personal business. You only get three Mm -hmm. total not like three for each one, but three total goals that you're working on at any given time. And they have to be able to be prioritized and then you're picking your one task a day is actually the advice that I give to people. So if you have for me, you know, this goal of being a thought leader. And so I say, I need to write a book. And so I've got, I'm working on my book or in the process of launching a podcast or Mm -hmm. whatever it is. And to say, that is something that launching a podcast is on my need for the thought leadership overarching goal and I'm gonna do that in the next 90 days. And Mm -hmm. so I pick one thing a day, you know, if I sit down and make the list of every task I need to do and I'm gonna do one thing every day and then I can launch on time. Mm -hmm. And you have this series of wins and successes. Too many people think that, you know, you feel like you're gonna tread water on 10 things and maybe eventually you'll eat away at a little bit of each of them. Whereas instead, if you're constantly having success after success after success, and you're doing a big thing every single quarter, you're going to be more effective and get more done if you re-anchor and set your expectations on what is actually achievable. And then if you exceed that, then, you know, good for you. You feel great.
0: No, that's great advice. And I try to tell people that too, whenever they're running a big organization, or if they're, uh, you know, whether it's a daily thing or whatever, it's like, don't the worst thing you do is try to set too many goals, because you're not mm-hmm. gonna get any, any of them done at that point, you know? Yeah, yes. if, if you can move the needle on three things, I mean, that's probably going to be a big thing, or even across a six month or one year thing, as long as you're the right three things, right?
1: Exactly. Yeah. And that's where you need to sit down and make sure they're what you what you're willing to sacrifice for and Mm -hmm. so i have my three and then they're prioritized Mm -hmm. within and my husband knows which ones are prioritized and that we're on the same page that my business comes first Mm -hmm. and that is hard for some people to say and that's not how theirs would line up Mm -hmm. but knowing that i might miss um you know one of the kids baseball game or a ballet recital or something here or there because i'm speaking at a conference that was a really great opportunity and i'm not going to miss everything and it's not that i'm never going to be at things right but if there's something that comes up we know Mm -hmm. that that is the priority for me Mm -hmm. if i was trying to do that and you think about how many times even you know um, amongst departments and Mm -hmm. on teams and with, you know, significant others, Mm -hmm. you maybe have a priority list, but you haven't shared that with everyone else. It just causes this dissonance. People are not in on the same wavelength and it Mm -hmm. just creates conflict that doesn't need to exist. If everyone is willing to be transparent and share where their priorities lie and find how that all comes together.
0: Yeah, and it allows you to cover down for each other because I think it's yeah you're right. If I think if you if you decided to give up on your priorities that you know inside your heart those are your priorities to go be at whatever maybe it's a baseball game or you know spouse's work event or whatever that might be then now now you're like opening up for resentment to start creeping in right Mm -hmm. all kind of stuff right so yeah that's great advice as well
1: yeah so you can plan those in advance and there Mm -hmm. are you know spouse work events and kid things that will trump work stuff but Mm -hmm. most of the time we know which one's going to win and we've you know agreed to that so it makes it a lot easier to make those choices and feel good about them and Mm -hmm. be present when i am at at home and family time things like that
0: right absolutely awesome one more thing i wanted to get into was how to make more time for deep work and i think that i know specifically a lot of people in our audience we get spun out of control trying to multitask and do all these things at one time. And some of it is because we're getting pulled in many directions. And a lot of it is because we're doing it to ourselves. (laughs) So so I was thinking if you could provide maybe some tips on what you think about multitasking and, you know, how to, how do you, you know, really get into that deep work so we can get more stuff done.
1: Right. So our subconscious can multitask, Mm -hmm. our conscious can't. Mm-hmm. You just don't have enough bandwidth mm-hmm. to try to be doing multiple things. And so having the tools and knowing that it's always going to be better to be focused for the few minutes or hour Mm -hmm. or whatever it is on the thing that you're working on and Mm -hmm. making the time for the distractions, the bike sheds, whatever it is, if you schedule them in so that, you know, when you're going to need the break and right now I'm going to focus on this thing, it is going to make it so that you can be deeply working on that thing and not being interrupted by distractions. So in my work. I am doing a lot of writing that is Mm -hmm. making a lot of content like we've talked about for episodes every week and, Mm -hmm. um, articles and things. And so it doesn't mean that every moment of every day, I'm feeling super pumped about writing. You know, I have my own bike shedding stuff where I don't want (laughs) to do it in the moment. And so I'm a human person, but when I am able to sit down and say, you know, I'm going to write, for 25 minutes Mm -hmm. and then I get a five minute break to go check my Instagram or play Mm -hmm. candy crush or whatever it is that you want. Mm -hmm. Um, I use a time timer. So I know I'm showing it here to you. Are you familiar with these? No, I'm not. I'm not. Okay. So this is the greatest. So the time timer is something that it doesn't create a lot of cognitive strain Mm -hmm. when you're having this question of, so like in this case, it it shows the red of what time you have left. Mm -hmm. And so when you think about, when you set yourself up to say, I just have to write today and mm-hmm. I have to do as much writing as I possibly can mm-hmm. and I'm just going to write. And then every few minutes you go, how long has it been? How long has it been? How mm-hmm. long has it been? And You're trying to check all the right. clock and you're thinking all about all these other things and I better check my email. Yeah. And so you allow yourself to get distracted. And every time you're doing that, when you're looking at a regular right. clock, mm-hmm. you're going to say, okay, so I started at 4.03 mm-hmm. and it's 4.08. And so I guess that's been, okay, it's been five minutes. And then you go back and then you go, how right. now are we there yet? Sort yeah. of a moment. Yeah, you're, you're
0: shifting your attention, right? And you got to refocus again for sure. And, yeah.
1: and then you're having to process how long mm-hmm. it's been, how much is right. left, how much you've done, mm-hmm. when is lunch, you're able to ask those questions questions. Whereas when I have this set, I can Mm -hmm. at a very quick glance, see, and knowing that it only does an hour. And so if there's about a quarter of the spot is the red stuff, Mm -hmm. or there's a, you know, a little sliver left Mm -hmm. at the end, Mm -hmm. say, oh, cool, I'm almost done. So even if I just glance, I very quickly know that I have a lot of time or a little bit of time left on this. And if it goes off and I, very often I'll keep writing past when I'm done. You know, Uh you can either have it to where it beeps or it doesn't uh, Mm -hmm. based on what you're needing. And so being able to have that dedicated time and then know that once I get to the end of this, once I've written for my 25 minutes, I get a break. I get to go get whatever that reward or the treat Mm -hmm. is. And sometimes it's a literal treat you're going to go have lunch or whatever it is have a snack sometimes Mm -hmm. it is scrolling through instagram or Mm -hmm. or whatever Uh, but then you also schedule that and say this is only i get five minutes or 10 of doing this thing right and then you move on and do the next thing and i would just say with my during this pandemic has been a time where i've really taken a intentional purpose and really focusing on being present in all the aspects of my life when I'm working on them and giving my undivided or mostly undivided attention for whatever I'm working on in that moment. So, you know, leaving the phone in the other room Mm -hmm. and I'm, I've got a lot of projects and things, balls in the air all the time. Mm -hmm. And so it's much better I could be sitting and like checking email on my phone for an hour while I'm sitting with my daughter and she's wanting to color and play and be very distracted and not really doing either thing well. And she doesn't feel like that was a Uh, really great experience. Or I can say, Hey, I've got 15 minutes and we're mm going to do whatever you want to do. And Mm I, you know, I've got the alarm in the other room. It'll beep when it's time to be done, but 15 minutes of playing with, peppa pig or Mm -hmm. you know coloring Mm -hmm. unicorns in the book Mm -hmm. you know whatever it is and we're just going to do it and i'm not even going to think about anything else and then i have 45 minutes to do emails and both are going to be done much more effectively and Mm -hmm. she feels like you know she's important i paid attention to her it's the same thing with when you're talking to your employees and they ask you questions Mm -hmm. and if you are looking you have your email up or you've got your phone out Mm -hmm. They don't feel like they're important. You're not addressing them properly. Mm -hmm. Whereas if you can have that eye contact and Mm -hmm. saying, you know, what else, what can I be working on? What do you need? I'm, this is your time. I'm here for you. Tell me what it is. I always had better relationships with my employees because of that type of focus.
0: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And I could see. So for our listeners um, that weren't able to see it, basically the clock, it when she sets the timer, it turns part of that time, whatever it might be. If you set for forty-five minutes, it turns that part of the clock red, so you have a visual quick you could look at it. Versus me, I know if I put a timer on my phone, I'm gonna look at it. I have to turn it on. I'm gonna have to look at it and see what the timer is. I'm like, oh crap, only two minutes (laughs) passed, you know? (laughs) Yeah, stuff like that. So I do think that that's a really good tool. It's called a time timer.
1: Time timer. Yes. Uh, There's another really cool app that I've heard about just recently that is called forest. Mm -hmm. And what you do is, especially if you get distracted on your phone, Mm -hmm. that you're going to go look at Instagram or whatever. So you say, I'm going to write for 45 minutes, whatever. And you set that up and you say, I'm going to do this. And you plant a virtual seed in your like virtual forest Uh and you pick whatever tree it is. They have tree houses and apple (laughs) trees or whatever. So you plant the seed and it starts to grow and you can Uh see as it becomes, you know, more lush over Uh this 45 minute span of time. But if you leave the app, so if you pick up your phone and exit the app to go do something, Uh it dies. Uh you've killed your tree and it doesn't get to be (laughs) it doesn't get to be part of your forest Uh and it's just gone forever and you watch it just like wilt away Mm. so uh, that motivation to stick to it so you Mm. don't kill the tree can be helpful too and then you you actually get to keep your forest and they have something where you can redeem like virtual coins and they actually plant real trees which is pretty Mm. cool too
0: Oh, that's cool. Yeah, nobody wants to murder trees, so yeah, no. that'd be a good one. That'd be a good no one. No good, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Man, Melina, this is such a great conversation. I know I learned a ton. I really appreciate you coming on, and I wanted to uh, give this opportunity. We'll link all of this to show notes, but um, you know, some people don't read; they just want to listen. So, so yeah. how, how how do people find you and find more about your work?
1: Absolutely. So, uh, if you like hearing me talk about these concepts. I do it every week on the Brainy Business podcast, which you can find by searching for The Brainy Business wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also go to the brainybusiness.com and there's a lot of information there, links to my articles, links to the show, and you can find me on all the socials as The Brainy Biz, B I Z.
0: That's amazing. And um, like I said, I just really appreciate you coming on. I know just the articles I've read in and, and the ink, and the podcast and everything else, um, just our conversations, I've gotten a lot of value out of it. So for the listeners, highly recommend you visiting some of the work that Melina is doing. It's going to bring a lot of value to your life for sure. Awesome. So, hey, when we wrap these up, we like to wrap them up with what we call the leadership rapid fire, which is just four questions, is however you want to interpret them and however you want to answer them. Sound good? Yes. All right. Question number one, what is your favorite leadership trait and why?
1: Honesty or Mm. transparency and Mm. just that like openness of being willing to share and let other people in as part of the conversation Mm. uh, for, I think, all the reasons you've heard me talk about today. (laughs) think it's important.
0: Yeah, absolutely. All right. Question number two, what is your favorite quote?
1: Um. So I think I'm going to go with my original name of my company was defying gravity. Mm. And it's, uh, after, uh, the musical from the move, the show wicked. Mm. And so, um, think it's the, you know, one of the song lyrics, I guess, from there is, um, you know, instead essentially, like, I, I'm not going to buy in on that. And instead, I'll try to find gravity. So like, mm. you, you tell me you can keep me stuck here. Instead, mm. I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to fly. So
0: yeah, love it. Love it. All right. All right. Question number three, what is a book that you would recommend to an aspiring leader?
1: No question on this one. This is easy. My all-time favorite book, 100%, is called A More Beautiful Question by Warren Berger. A More Beautiful Question. And it is looking at opportunities to, it's all about innovation and how our brains combine things together. And it talks about how we use different combined thinking to come up with things like Netflix, Uber, Kodak, photos and mm-hmm. just tons of things. Wonderful book. Highly recommend
0: it. Awesome. I have to pick that up myself and we'll make sure we add that to the show notes as well. Awesome. And uh, finally, the last question, this is a deep question of the day at the Lama Lounge. We're all about life learning and leadership. So how does Melina Palmer find her harmony between life learning and leadership?
1: I think it's just being present in mm-hmm. the things that I'm doing whenever I'm doing them. And I, end every episode of the podcast and my sign off on my emails is be thoughtful Mm -hmm. and so i think that being thoughtful in whatever i'm doing either in the way that i'm um gifting time to people as being Mm -hmm. a guest on things or answering emails presence Mm -hmm. on social media or my family things like that Mm -hmm. and also to question what seems like a given in my brain and saying, do I really have to do that? Is that really how it has to be? Uh, so all those levels of thoughtfulness, that is, I think what it all means to me to find that balance.
0: Man, that's awesome. And Melina, thank you so much for coming on. Um, it truly was a gift for you to be here. Um, (laughs) I know I got a lot out of it and I I know our listeners will too, and I'm super grateful and I'm also just honored to be connected with you now and, um, and look forward to continuing learning from you.
1: Absolutely. Thanks so much,
0: Joe. All right. And to all our listeners, as always, be safe, stay healthy, and the llamas are out. Thanks for tuning in to the Llama Lounge podcast. Be sure to visit the homepage for links to products and services related to this episode. And don't forget to subscribe to the show on your podcast platform of choice. See you next time.